Thanks for joining us on another week of Surviving Creativity. I'm your co-host, Corey Cassoni. I'm joined every week by Brad Geiger and Scott Kurtz. It's the show all about following your dreams, becoming your own boss, and surviving the process. If you're a longtime listener, you know this show is made possible by you. If you like what you hear, head on over to patreon.com forward slash surviving creativity and please consider becoming a patron. And don't forget, you can find us on iTunes now as well. Just search Surviving Creativity in iTunes, add us to your queue. You'll get an update every time we've got a new episode. Please give us a rating while you're there. This week, Joss Whedon leaves Twitter. Maybe we all should. We've also got listener questions all about gardening and whether or not you should quit your day job. We're joined right at the end by Tavis Maiden, creator of Tenko King and Stranger Danger. He's a Toonhound Studios regular. We know you're going to love this episode, so sit back, relax, and enjoy another week of Surviving Creativity. Daily News piece uh, came out today, and thank you for the very kind things that you said in that, Scott. I appreciate it. Oh, that uh, reporter called you a couple, uh, probably about a month ago at this point. She was supposed to, or he was supposed to, let me know when uh, is going live. So thanks for nothing. <laughs> I, can I don't even remember what I said. Was it nice? It was very kind. It was very kind. It was. Uh, he's a reliable man. And, what? Uh, oh, did you? He's a reliable <laughs> man. That's what I said about you. <laughs> he's the most reliable. Brad has never not once brought home milk. <laughs> I thought it was a very positive comment. He's a reliable man. <laughs> that that's that's my way of saying Brad is the only man who has not betrayed me. <laughs> Other than my father and my brother. <laughs> Did we lose Corey? No, I'm right here. Oh okay. no. I'm reading the thing you sent me. <laughs> He's got a tireless work ethic, says Kurtz, who is known for his comics PvP and Tabletop, tabletop Titans. Tabletop Titans, yes. <laughs> oh, man. All right, okay, because we're picking on press a little bit. Does anybody else think it's super weird that Joss Whedon leaves Twitter and the fucking press organization that follows up with him instead of just running a story is BuzzFeed? Yeah. BuzzFeed. Uh, that was, that, uh, BuzzFeed, and, and, and it was specifically BuzzFeed News, which I started seeing that, and it's like, okay, it's official. BuzzFeed is news. BuzzFeed now. News? BuzzFeed News. Come on. Come on. Yeah. What's wrong yeah. with that? Nothing, but like... They got the info out. Absolutely. good. I, I mean, hey, thumbs up. I hope we get more A-plus reporting from BuzzFeed. I hope it comes in the form of lists. <laughs> but seriously, <laughs> like... How many how many comic and pop culture news sites are there, and none of them could bother to pick up the fucking phone and call Joss? Really? Maybe I don't. Well, why are you mad about this? Because 
It's bullshit. Nobody Why? should because nobody should have ran. Twenty four hours. Yeah, because nobody. Nobody should have ran a story without calling him. It's not hard to confirm. He left Twitter. Yeah. It was oh, feminists were mad at him. Like, bullshit. Pick up the phone. Send an email. It, and if you're okay, an editor so who let that don't... story run, fuck you. That's bullshit. All right, but mm. okay. In, in in taking the other side of the argument, Corey, would you know how to get a hold of Joss Whedon right now if you had to? Yeah, honestly. Yeah, actually, he does. <laughs> I probably oh, could. Well, it's not believe that. Believe me, I bug him not... every day. <laughs> how come he's not and on he the won't show? Do it. He won't do it. Oh, he won't. The man's busy. Corey, not Corey, John. <laughs> <laughs> I'm too busy to call Joss Whedon. Whose mic is shaking? Somebody's mic is shaking. Uh, I don't know what you're talking about. It's you, Scott. It's you. <laughs> Scott Kurtz's mic is shaking. What are you doing? <laughs> Nothing. I'm not doing anything. <laughs> He's, I just imagine you holding the mic and just shake. Like, well, that time I just did the big fun. I don't know. That always bugs me. Like I get you want to get the news out there and it's and it's the web and you want to get it out right away but like uh, I, I feel I feel this uh there's a I have a I have a internal strife with news media because on one hand you want to get it out as quickly as possible but on the other hand don't we still need to fact check this stuff? Don't we still need to run sources and isn't it better to wait 10 hours and run a complete story than to run... But I didn't see any news stories that he left Twitter. I just saw more Twitter that he left Twitter. No, there were a bunch of... <laughs> it, it, but, no. and, the way, and the way that they all did it was they all said it's speculation that or right. he left Twitter and it's assumed that. <sighs> and it's like, okay, yeah, you can get away with it by putting in that little thing, right? That what did I say? When you brought it up to me, what did I say? Do you remember? Uh, I can look because I texted it at you. I can tell you exactly what you said. Okay, good. You do that. Why? (laughs) I'm curious because I think I had it right the whole time. I I don't know that you cared really. I think you were just like... It didn't make sense to... Well, Lexapro. I was like, yeah, what else? (laughs) (laughs) I think think you were just like... I don't care about much these days. (laughs) I think you said... Okay, here, let's see. I said... uh, 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 Uh-huh, uh-huh. First you said what the fuck, and then you said it's probably for the best. He'll be happier, and that was the end of it. <laughs> that was your only comment. <laughs> well, it's probably for the best. He'll be happier. End of go. end of story. <laughs> that should have you know to, to that should have been to, the headline. <laughs> Joss Whedon leaves Twitter. He'll, he'll be happier. Be happier. <laughs> I, but then it's like it's a probably we haven't confirmed yet, but he'll probably be happier. We'll be follow. Happy. <laughs> we'll follow up shortly. Uh, Lexapro is like that drug in um, Serenity, where it just made everyone <laughs> lay down and die. <laughs> it's uh, you know the drug Soma is named after the drug Soma from the sci-fi. Really? <laughs> yeah. What 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 sci-fi? Uh, God, now I gotta look it up because it's gonna make me crazy. <laughs> uh, the problem is when you look at when you look it up. Oh my God, this is gonna make me insane. It's not. Is it 1984? Might be 1984. Oh no, it's Brave New World. Uh, oh my! I, you know what? I never read that book. Wow, really? Because oh, my dad one. read it 
and told me that it really freaked him out as a kid. It will Ooh. do that. It will <laughs> it will absolutely do that. What's funny is when I was a kid and I read books like that, I read Brave New World and I read 1984, and 1984 messed me up, freaked me out. But now when kids read 1984, they go, oh, it's just like real life. Which yeah. that should freak them out too, right? Shouldn't they? No, <laughs> it's even worse than that. What? How is it worse than that? Because in 1984, there was an external force making them do all this oh, shit. Right. Now they're volunteering. <laughs> now they're volunteering it. <laughs> Big Brother's like... Big Brother's like, we're going to force you to to sign up for everything you... What? Already, you've already done it? You've already done it. Form an orderly line. Everyone, we're taking away your art and literature and we're reducing your vocabulary. You've already done it? You've already done it. Oh, oh but our ministers... Our minister spent so much time thinking up new speak, and now you've created your own. Oh, I... This is actually quite. LOL. Well, <laughs> guys. Raffle. <laughs> Raffle. Uh, okay, well. The ministry is totes jelly of you. Happy oligarchy. They're all raffling right now on the Everybody. ground. Everybody. Wait, that's, that's, on, that's on redundant. Raffling on the ground. <laughs> I guess the mine police are going to cut out early this evening for so, some beers. We'll, we'll be at the local pub if you want to join us. Everything you say will be scrutinized by the government and and you'll be punished for things. You, oh, you're doing it to yourselves? You're wait, doing it to yourselves? Wait. Hey, hey guys, listen. Listen. They agreed to the EULA. I know, right? Who would sign that thing? Wait, I, I, I'm sorry, Minister. They they did it on their own? Yes, uh, we we had the mind ray ready, but I worked really hard on this thing. I know you'll still be paid for your work, but they just are walking straight into the furnaces. I don't... It's the TVs, the televisions that we built with the with the, the internal devices to watch them and listen. They're buying them now at $400 a piece and putting them in their house. They're called Xboxes. Minister, we have a problem. A rogue group of artists are creating bold and creative art that are going to spur the... Oh, they've killed him. They've killed him. Don't worry. It's they, fine. Don't worry. He's dead. Woo my lord. No need. Oh, How long can this God. guy go? <laughs> Do a whole episode on Sir, a new champion of feminism has arisen. Soon women will think they're in charge of their own, but oh, nope, they killed him. They killed him. Oh, wait. No, we're following up now. He he just left. He'd no, be he happier just, otherwise. Oh, he just really wants to get some work done. <laughs> he unsigned the EULA. Get the mind, well, get the mind ray. <laughs> we might actually have to use tomato, it I always say. <laughs> I love that voice. Tomato, 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 tomato. Speaking of tomatoes and tomatoes, that's kind of no, what our we should first. Have done this. It should have been like. It should have been, been what? They are doing it to themselves. Really? Very well. Hail Hydra. <laughs> yeah. Okay. What else we can get them to do? What other, what other Orwellian novels can we get them to? 
Well, let's, I guess we should read Animal Farm. I don't know what that one's about, but maybe we can get them to do that to themselves. <laughs> Apparently, if we keep feeding them quality programming on AMC, they'll do whatever we say. Well, hold do what on you now. want. Just keep those zombie movies coming. I've, I've been watching a lot of AMC shows lately. I didn't realize it until recently. Is that right? Turn. Isn't that AMC? Or is it that is history? AMC. Turn is Cash good. Fire, AMC. Paul Cash Fire, AMC. Better what? Call Saul. Is that AMC too? Yeah, That's Breaking AMC. Bad was AMC. Mad Men? I AMC. think all of my shows except for Flash are coming from AMC right now. Well, that's the CW. CW provides C-dub. all of my all of my favorite shows: The Arrow, Flash, The Originals, Vampy D's, <laughs> Pretty Little Liars. I don't want anyone. Any of that. Anyone? No, it's no, right. no, just me, huh? Just you. Just me. Oh, I got. Well, I mean, Flash and Arrow. <laughs> I'm with you. You lost me at Vampy D's. Whoops. Whoopsie. <laughs> Is this on? Is that Vampire Diaries? (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) The Vampy D's. Vampy D's, that's what I call it. (laughs) It's time for you. Uh-oh. It's, like, it's like when my when my grandmother used to sit down for her stories, you know. That time got, for my got... time for my vampy D's. Hold on, I gotta get my NPR shit together. <laughs> it's like when Artie Lang said that his old Italian grandfather watched Buffy, and he's like, "Grandpa, do you know what this show's about?" He's like, "Yeah, Jew broad fights Draculas." <laughs> Jew broad fights Draculas is the best. Oh. It's not better than Vampy D's though. Vampy D's. Oh fuck, the Vampy D's that destroyed me. The Vampy D's. Oh, okay. Very big show today. Fan questions. <laughs> yeah, we just wrapped it up. Yeah. Oh yeah. We're uh we're 16 minutes in. We're getting to the to the meat of what we're we're, we're here about in the first place. Super important. Uh no, we got good fan questions. And we uh, hopefully after this, after this we'll get more. So we'll yeah listen. And if you're if you're a patron, you can uh, you can <laughs> Vampire Diaries. Oh fuck! <laughs> <laughs> Deep breath. Wow, still <laughs> it's still every time I it just it's gonna get me all day. I'm sorry, it'll destroy me all day. Uh, but you can if you're a, if you're a patron, you can you can uh, leave questions uh, under this. If you're not a patron, we'll we'll uh, have an email address that you can. Uh, uh, you can mail it. In fact, you can just mail it to uh, what mail at pvponline.com. That's the, the fan account for PvP, and we'll get your questions there. Yeah, and put surviving creativity yeah, in the Yeah, just put it in the subject line, line and we'll know, yeah, we'll know it's for you. But we've got two good ones uh, that I wanted to, to talk about on this show because I think they're good questions. And one of them uh, relates to gardening. So I'm going to start there because we're oh, just talking about Oh, thank God. <laughs> Finally. <laughs> <laughs> no, you know what? It's a good metaphor. It's from uh, Jason Shoemaker, uh, who's one of our uh, one of our patrons. And he... Hello, Mr. Schumacher. He says, <laughs> he says, gardening has been an important part of my life lately and often serves as a metaphor for the various achievements and failures of my life. Planting a seed and nurturing it into something amazing. Being self-employed requires a certain amount of strategic hustling, planting, and nurturing. These decisions often take years to deliver results. Can you talk about the decisions you have made, the seeds you have planted, there's the metaphor, whether business or story related that have either paid off or not? 
How long did you nurture the project or idea? Uh, and he also goes on to say, you're always an inspiration and thanks for the great show. I think that's, I think it's a great metaphor <clears throat> because Scott, you and I have talked about this before, how every idea seems to take a year, <laughs> bare, bare minimum, right? It's like yeah. the gag. We'll come up with an idea and we'll start doing it in bare minimum a year, even if it's something. It didn't used to. It's just the way the machine operates now. Do you think the machine's broken, maybe? Do we need to change the pieces, or is it just a different apparatus? No, I just think it's a different apparatus for us now. I think it's a more effective machine now. The end result is better. The fruit is bigger. The tomatoes are larger. <clears throat> yeah, I'm, it's hydroponics now, buddy. <laughs> Well, um, now that now that now that uh, Washington legalized, is that what you're saying? <laughs> <laughs> the crop is bigger, man, and the high crop is bigger. I am baked, brother. <laughs> I'm just happy hearing somebody talk about something in terms of slow growth, because what we what what I tend to see over and over again. It, particularly in web comics is uh, that whole it's midnight and I'm not famous yet mentality where they expect this to happen overnight. They, you know, I've been, I've been doing comics for a month. How come, how come I'm not, you know, quitting my day job already. And, yeah. Why do and, I, why do I only have a hundred readers? Right. Right. And, 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 you know, we, we've seen this, uh, God, Scott, going back to when we first did the how to make web comics book, uh, we saw, you know, I, people going through all the motions and, you know, we had what we called the 90 day rule. It was like, they'd be doing it for three months. And when three months went by and they hadn't told their boss to go F themselves, mm-hmm. you know, we'd get an email saying, oh, you guys are lying to me. And it's like, no, no, this is, you got to realize this is a, <laughs> this is something that takes a long time to build. Your 10% sidebar was a lie. <laughs> you knew exactly what I was thinking. <laughs> that really happened, Corey. Oh, you got to tell that story. Oh, well, do, I, at the risk of, of you know, uh, dredging up uh, uh, old boogeymen. Risk it. Uh, we, had, we had done a sidebar. It was a sidebar in the How to Make Web Comics book that said that it, it, it said and it, it wasn't just 10 percent i if i remember right the actual quote was like between one and ten percent yeah but anyway we called it ten percent rule that it said you can count on between one and ten percent of your readers to actually support you by doing something with buying a book say you know coming to see you at a comic convention something like that sure. we call it the ten percent rule and, you know, this, it, we, we had somebody that had written that we were completely lying about that. Our math was way off. We weren't offering statistical evidence. And it's like, no, 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 you don't understand. This is like a, a rule of thumb. This is kind of like uh, something to, to gauge in a, in a very broad way what you might expect, but it in no way is actual math. And this went, this turned up into a, into a huge thing. We went back and forth. Oh, wait, and was that a Bengo thing? Yes. I forgot it was Bengo. Whoops. <laughs> I was wondering whether you wanted to really bring that up. <laughs> I don't know. Whatever happened to that guy? I disappeared off the face of the earth. Every this, was guy, again. this was the guy that, um, he had a webcomic about Soviet cats. Oh, God, yes. What was that called? Uh, I'm, I'm, I'm looking it up right now. Oh, Was Corey. it Little Nyet? Little, little Nyet. I swear yes. to God, that was the name of his comic. 
<laughs> and has, um, has not updated since 2009, but the website is still there. He went from his content went from producing this comic about Soviet cats because the world was needed it um, to producing a really terrifying uh, manifesto against the the um, web comics Illuminati that was like me, Brad, Meredith, Gran. <laughs> And we, he were had, all, we were all buying our Twitter followers. We couldn't have those Twitter followers uh, no. without him. You know, and, we, and we made our money. He was was really funny because he had the same theory as Ted Rawl, <laughs> was that we were all trust fund kids. Yeah. Wow. That's how we made our money. We we were lying. There's okay. no way to make the money we were claiming we were making off of. You know, because we're all so rich. Yeah. That, I brought that up uh, on a past episode about how – did I bring that up? How it, I, I keep bumping into people that seem to think that uh, that online um, entertainers are just unbelievably wealthy. <laughs> I don't well, remember, you, I mean, I don't I remember keep, you mentioning that. Do you do bumping, shows in your imagination too? I don't know. No, he was no, talking, you were talking to talk Anthony about, about it. About oh, it. Oh, really? I was like, okay. Yeah, we were talking about it to Anthony the other week. Is like, And I, I keep running into this where people are like, well, you must be making really good money. Like I, you know, I make I make a living. Like I, I'm like middle <clears throat> yeah. America. So is Scott. So is Brad. Like I don't. Well, I think that I don't really <clears throat> know any ultra wealthy. Well, you make some bucks. I make some bucks. <laughs> <laughs> you don't. You can't emphasize the sum. You emphasize the bucks. I make some bucks. <laughs> but it said yeah. earlier this week I said that's why I pay Corey the big bucks and he goes you pay me okay bucks and I go I pay you some bucks <laughs> it went from big bucks to okay, some okay bucks. bucks to some, some bucks, bucks. Some but bucks. The, the thing is I could <clears throat> I could get a uh, you know like a middle management job at, at any old company and make the same amount of money the difference is I, I wouldn't be doing what I want to be doing right but it's yeah, and, man. There's just just this belief, I think, in some people that it's like, you just it's like any old career. You just start and then you get paid, and then if you do it long enough, you get, you know, like crazy rich, and you're just rolling in dough. And and I think it's the they see it online, and it's you know you're looking through a microscope at at somebody's life. It's it's like the highlight reel. It's the it's <laughs> the same thing that poor. Uh, um... Natalie and Jack went through. You're either you're either oh um, yeah successful in a in a millionaire, or you're struggling and you're fighting the good fight. You're talking about Natalie and Jack from Pomplamoose. Yeah, they were Jack from Patreon and Jack from Patreon. Mm -hmm. Yeah, they, you want to look at it. <laughs> well, but the, but Pomplamoose is it, their their <clears throat> online band. Pomplamoose is how it came up, and they do these uh, videos online, and and it was like. They were the scrappy startups for a long time, and then they did a couple of commercials for Honda. Oh, it was Honda, right? Or Hyundai? Hyundai. Hyundai, mm -hmm. yeah. They did a couple of commercials for Hyundai, and it was... And all of a sudden, people were like, oh, sell out rich motherfuckers. And it's like, there's mm -hmm. no in-between. And it, they weren't. They paid the bills for a couple of years. Good work. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> for a couple of years, good luck with one year. I know, right? Yeah. It's... I don't know. I'm always... Well, ah, I'm always flabbergasted by it. But we're... I, uh, at well, least let my opponents believe that I have big, broad shoulders, is what my friend always says. Oh, that's a good one. <clears throat> he, I know he borrowed it from somewhere, but he wrote this thing about me. <clears throat> it said, upon discovering that he had left the hanger in his coat, said, leave it. At least let my opponents believe I have broad shoulders. <laughs> I like that. <laughs> that's good. 
Yeah, uh, I don't know what it's from. It might just be from Rob. It just might be that. Maybe. Yeah. And this whole time I've been accusing him of theft. Anyway, let's move on. <laughs> but, back to Jason uh, Shoemaker's question about uh, planting seeds, business or story related. I, I think for me, the, the one that I think is really cool is what uh, Scott has been doing with Table Titans. Because that, that took uh, easily a year to get started. And then two years to build, and now we're start, we're getting starting to get to a really good place. But I mean, that's it's been almost a four year process, right? Yeah, 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 definitely. I mean, because it started the day that we went to brunch with Rohack. Yeah, George Rohack, and you and I, and and, George. and you're like, what do you want to do? And I just hired Corey, and he's like, all right, what do you want to do? And I'm like, I want to double my income. And both of them were like, give us something hard to do. And I was like, shut the fuck up. That is hard. I can't do it. I've been trying. They're like, no. And George is like, Scott, you're Scott Kurtz. You draw PVP. And I go, yeah, that and a cup of coffee will get you five cents. I got that quote wrong, so don't (laughs) edit that and post. But they're like, your problem isn't that you don't have the potential to make more money. The problem is you don't have the bandwidth. But you have the bandwidth now. Corey's your bandwidth. So what do you want to do? And it's always the question that Corey always asks me, and it's the answer is always – I never thought past don't die trying to be a cartoonist. Right, yeah. <laughs> and pay next month's bills and, and you know, just, just keep up and don't and don't let it go away. Yeah, I just don't don't lose what I've built, um, which I've almost done several times. So, you know, and Corey's like, Well, we don't have to worry about that anymore. Let's let's think bigger and it's like, Well, I've never thought bigger than that. Um, okay, well, uh, um, second comic, and and so uh, yeah, I think I think that um, the investment and the seeds we've planted on Table Titans have been immense. And what's really funny is that the real secret there, the real seeds that were planted that were allowed to grow, was that um, when Corey came on board, he's like, "All right, you know, I need to make sure we're on the same page because I don't, I'm not." I didn't graduate from 90s business school. I do business differently. And I'm like, all right. He's like, well, here's how I do business. I build relationships. Mm-hmm. And those pay off more than an upfront amazing you know, payday for some project we're going to get. They'll pay off dividends for years, and they'll end up paying off more. And that's just how I do business. And I'm like, I, I, I like doing business that way too. And you know, I, I remember one time that um, we were we were at a um, dinner and I was really upset about something. And my brother said, my brother turned to me and said, I, I said to my brother, why don't you defend me? And he goes, well, you know, Rob Pareto was there. And I'm like, so? And he's like, he's with Namco and you're, you're, you're developing a relationship with him. And I'm like, Rob would have fought him with me. <laughs> <laughs> Rob's my got my back, bro. He's like, nope. There's too many people in the room. You're developing relationships. That's what's important. So, the and now that it's been, you know, four years later, you really can see he was right. I mean, the and that's what's really funny is that the people, people come around. They'll be like, well, so um, how much is a wizard's paying you to make table time? <laughs> and I go, oh, nothing. And they go, well, how much are they pay me, dude? <laughs> how much are they paying me directly to make table titans? Yeah, man, how much? Is it a lot? 
They're not paying me anything. I'm not a licensor of D and D. Come on, what are they really mm. paying you? Mm. Well, how do you make any money? Same way I make money off all my art. Yeah, but what are they? What? Yeah, and they still don't believe yeah. us. Yeah, they still don't get it. They're paying me. They could never pay me more than I'm making on my own. Because they would, they could potentially pay me a lot more than I could make on my own once. Right, right, right. <laughs> and then that would be it. I, it's and interesting. And then we'd be done. It's interesting too because, uh, you know, what you're saying essentially is that the the seeds that we've spent time planting over the years are uh, people. growing into fruit. I mean, people. I guess is it. Do you see what I'm saying? Not so much because yeah. Jason's asking specifically about, you know, business or story ideas. But I think that especially in our industry being as small as it is. And I think people forget how small this industry is. And and when I say this industry, I mean the entertainment industry as a whole, like even mm-hmm. if you combined, you know, all of Hollywood and, and film and television and all of online entertainment and all of comics and all of music, if you just mushed all those industries together and then look at the numbers, it we're actually a pretty small slice of the pie overall for like total numbers and businesses and jobs and that kind of stuff. It's not as big as people seem to think it is, even though it it consumes a lot of our life. Um, But you can't go to work in, in this industry, any other industry. And, and this is just my philosophy. You you can't go in and, and just, you know, build bridges only to turn around and torch them behind you. Like, it's just not going to work in the long run. You're going to run out of bridges to burn. It'll, it'll straight up work for years. I mean, years, that was business in the 80s and the 90s, right? It was it was kill or be killed. It was let's um you know, let's work on the Have you ever played Diplomacy, the board game? Make it nerdy for a minute. The only I way have. The only I've way lost to many friends over that game. Yeah. Ah. The only way to win diplomacy is to screw your best friend before the end of the game. And then right oh, at really? the end of the game. It's the only way to win. The only the way it's a game played with no dice, no cards, no whatever. You play by negotiating things. You have negotiation rounds. Where you know you've got like a World War One battlefield, and you negotiate things, and then you write down moves on a piece of paper and reveal them all at the same time. So I might negotiate. You ever played it, Brad? No, I. Oh, haven't. it's vicious. Okay, it's... have you ever played Risk? Yes. Okay. You know how in Risk you have to have two countries to invade a third. Mm-hmm. Okay. Imagine that instead of it being dice based, the way that you have two countries is everyone gets their territories. And then you, there's a diplomacy round where you walk over to – I walk over to you and I go, hey, you and I are real close to each other. Where are the territories needed to take over that third territory, which is Corey's? Are you in? And you go, yes. And then I walk over to Corey and I go, he bought it. Mm. And then we take <laughs> over you. Right. And then by the end of it, you've won the territory and lost a friend. Yeah. Because you know I'm probably – you have every reason not to believe me, so... But you have to work together to win the game. You can't... Right. No one person right. can win the game alone. So I'm going to do everything I can to convince you that I'm not lying to you, which means I'm pulling out, like, hey, man, remember that time your wife got sick? You know, like... And and then and then at the end, you're like, you brought up the time Caroline got sick. I'm like, look, dude, needed the Falcons. Sorry. You know. <laughs> And but so it, that it gets really fucking shitty. But that that was <laughs> business. Yeah, that was business for a long time. And I think that a lot of companies and individuals still do business that way. You know, you need someone until you don't need them. And that's that's how you do it. But I think 
that it's more it's more relevant and it's more important to to lose some of the smaller battles in order to win the war. I and that's just I mean, that's just me. And you know what? Maybe we'll never be uh, because the, the way of thinking used to be like you 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 screw everybody you can until you have enough money that then you would technically be the one getting screwed. And by then you're so battle hardened you you can see it coming, right? And then you get to be good and you get to be a philanthropist and you get to do nice. Uh, that was literally the idea. It was to like step on the bloody corpses of your business partners until you have enough money that it doesn't matter anymore. And oh my, what? Well, hey man, ask anyone with an MBA. Like that was the <laughs> that was the way it worked. But now it, it, I think that. And I think a lot of it has to do with technologies. You don't have to do that anymore. You can plant these seeds, you know, like Jason talks about. You can build relationships with people, and it's some. There's a little more give and take. I think things are a little more transparent in business now. I think that you don't have to, you know, there isn't a winning condition anymore. It's sort of like you're just doing your thing and getting it out there, and I think that's okay. Hmm. Um. But yeah, I mean, I think for me, Table Titans was at least with the stuff that we've done scott i think table titans was the big one and not just the comic itself yeah. but the stuff we've done with watsy and you know and well and, not even that i mean everything was planting seeds right it was like it was this idea and then it was like okay this is going to be real and then it was like we're going to go to gen con and we're going to scope out gen con okay this is a con we want to be at then it's like let's talk to hammaker see if he wants to color for us like, think about that. Remember when talking to Hammaker was just like, let's talk to Hammaker at Gen Con? Right. I don't I don't feel comfortable going a day without talking to Steve now. Like, he's a close personal friend. Yeah. Mm-hmm. He's new Brad. <laughs> he's taking my place. I'm he's a reliable to, guy. <laughs> I'm trying to think of a seed that hasn't... <laughs> no one caught that. Skymold. <laughs> he's a I got Skymold. <laughs> reliable guy. He's a no, reliable I was, guy. I was, <laughs> I was trying to think of a seed that had. I was still weeping silently over being replaced. Please, (laughs) no one can replace you, Brad. Can you? Can anybody think of a seed that hasn't paid off? I'm trying to. uh, The problem is usually when it doesn't, I just move on. So I'm trying to think of something that. Uh, I there have been plenty. I think. I'm oh gosh, sure you have. want seeds that haven't paid off? That's Party my troll. Part of the, that's my part no, of the. No, that's uh, that's just paying off slowly. It's a slow growth. <laughs> <laughs> it's a slow fart. You guys haven't released that yet, have you? No, no I'm just giving them a hard time. It's yeah. built, but it's not. We should talk about that. Not, we won't talk about that here now because we're in a, we're in an appeal process with Apple right now. But we need to talk about it at some <laughs> point because it's funny. Yeah, we will. Uh, well, I can talk like like I released uh, that monthly comic book, that monthly digital comic. And oh, it hasn't yeah. you were, you were nearly, releasing when I was doing like, and I've fallen so far back. Right now, I don't have anything uh, finished for Monday, let alone the end of May. I'm way behind. Uh, but so explain uh, it, explain it, it, it real did... quick, because you were you were basically taking what you were doing online and just releasing it once a month as like a comic book, right? It was it, it. I thought it was a great idea, because at that point I was so far ahead I could release all of the upcoming month's comics at the beginning of that month, and so you could just re, instead of waiting for it to come out day after day on the site, you could read it at the beginning of the month, and it was in a digital like comic book format, so they read really nice on tablets and stuff like that. Never really. It, it, what it is right now is it's a really nice five dollar reward for my Patreon. Uh, and I've got a handful of subscribers, but it, it, it really never caught on the way I thought I did, it, it, or the way I thought it would. 
and it's something that I've been doing blah, since 2013, and right now, like I said, not only am I far behind on it, but I find it hard to justify the extra time that it takes um, because there's other things that are taking on, like the Patreon and stuff like that, that I, that I, I, I need to put more of my efforts towards. So do you, so cut, do you cut the cord? When do you cut the cord? I think that's a better That's a great question. Well, you know what? The, right now, probably at the end of May uh, for the online, uh, for the subscribers outside of Patreon, because uh, right now just to offer a subscription is costing me more for the service that I do it through that I'm making in uh, in subscribers. So at some point, I've got to I just got to make a purely mathematical decision and say, you know, this was this was a good idea. It's still going to be a Patreon thing. I still want to get to the point where I'm a month out like I used to be. Uh, but this idea and 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 you know, they're perfectly fine for putting out on like drive-through comics and Comicsology and all that stuff, but. I, the idea of having them subscribe through the site just never took on the way I wanted it to. But it, you have to try that stuff to anybody oh, listening. Like you have didn't to. Didn't cost me a thing to try it. Yeah, it was, it, time, energy, it was a good thing. You got to You got to try the stuff. And I, I don't know. For me, I usually give stuff a year, sometimes two years. Mm-hmm. Like if it's not, if I don't see upward momentum on something that we're doing, um, you know, it's and, it, and that doesn't mean financial return always it just means you know it never means financial return yeah, all, <laughs> you know what that's the funny thing it almost never means financial return right you can't you can't always judge stuff by whether or not it's it's making you money i mean sometimes you don't have a choice right it's like sometimes it's like you said brad this service is now costing me more than doing the thing um right. and, and at that point it's detrimental which is different but like you have to you have to view stuff in terms of whether it's it's pushing your ideas forward and whether you have you know uh, uh, sort of a, a lift to what you're doing out of uh, out of the the seed that you've planted. But yeah, at some point you just gotta you just gotta stop. There's some at some point there's things you're doing where you just gotta say no. It's not it's not worth my time or energy. Well, yeah, because it, it, the more you, like I said, I'm kind of the more I'm putting behind this thing, uh, it, it, and and compiling it and getting it uh, done and distributed to all the places it needs to go, usually takes like an entire day. It is if once I'm ready to put that together, by the time I do everything I need to do, I've spent an entire day on it, uh, and and it's just getting to the point that there's so many other things I should be doing <laughs> that I it's pretty soon just from a Logistic standpoint, I, I won't be able to uh, I won't be able to justify it anymore. Yeah, well, your time is more valuable than anything you could ever make doing right. those you know doing those those uh, those things. Uh, yeah, you get you get to that. That's the first thing I really found out when I uh, left my day job and started doing this a hundred percent is that my time was my greatest resource, and and choosing how I spent my time was the most difficult decisions I had to make. Well, Mr. Geiger, you have provided us with an excellent. I know I did. How <laughs> <laughs> about quitting your day job, Jason? Thank you for writing in again. If you have questions uh, for us we'll start doing one of these episodes maybe once a month or every other month if you're a patron just go ahead and post your question after this episode if you're not you can email us at mail at pvponline.com just put surviving creativity in the subject line let us know what your question is uh so brad you were talking about quitting your day job and it happens that our next 
uh, question is from a listener who is asking about that. It's from Beth Morell. Hi, Beth. Mm-hmm. We know Beth. Yeah, Beth yeah. We met shows. Beth in Seattle. Yeah. Uh, she says, I adore your podcast. Thank you, Beth. <laughs> <laughs> we adore us, too. Uh, she wants to thank us for providing uh, audio for so many creatives who are getting work done and to be inspired by. Uh, she says the conversation in one recent episode uh, about working from home versus a studio in time management uh, and being intentional with one's time was really interesting, but I was wondering if there's any advice for those of us who still require a day job to pay the bills. I finished grad school this past year while working on various comic and illustration freelance jobs. I have to hold down a 40 hour a week job in order to pay rent, food, student loans, etc. This leaves me with only three to four hours a night to do anything artwork, laundry, what little social life I have left, (laughs) and weekend days. Uh, This also unfortunately limits the jobs I can take, which feels wrong when I'm trying to give any experience and exposure I can find, uh, when I'm trying to get any experience and exposure I can find. Are there tips on how to balance a healthy work life while holding down a day job, or is it impossible until you're working enough freelance to quit your day job? She goes on a little bit talking about work-life priority and how this is her number one. She says, basically, I need to know, is there a light at the end of the tunnel? All I want to do is make comics. I hope that dream will come true in the future. Help. (laughs) Thanks, guys. You're the best. Uh, That's a great question. Um, when When do you quit your day job, essentially, is what it boils down to. When you're working a 40 hour a week job and you've only got three or four hours a night to do anything. Oh God! Don't make well, me answer that question. <laughs> I was gonna say, who who wants to disappoint her first? <laughs> what <laughs> is there light at the end of the tunnel? Uh, d- yes. To borrow the old joke, the answer is yes, but in many cases, it's an oncoming train. Here's the thing. Number one, and, and speaking as somebody that had a, that has gone through this more recently uh, than Scott. Uh, number one, when if, if the question is when do you quit your day job, uh, I really suggest having six months of spending money before you even attempt that. Uh, just that, everything that's, that's built up, so you can pay all your bills for six months, right? Just in case everything goes down, uh, you 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 just need that money as a backup. Uh, number two, uh, so so here was my experience. Uh, and I, and I reflect on this a lot. I remember being in the Daily News newsroom saying, if only I could just get out of this place, I'd have so much time that I could do all these other things. Well, and give, give some context too, Brad. You were working at, at, at a news desk at the Daily News, right? I was a graphic artist, yeah. And you have been doing your comic for how long before you left? This was 2012, so I had been doing a daily comic, in some cases six days a week, and then more recently five days a week, for 13 years. So you've been doing your comic for 13 years while holding your day job. And uh, you absolutely. just you just left your day job just a couple years ago, right? And really under threat of losing my job. Right, because words, the newspapers uh, are going away. Yeah, the company said we're going to take the guy with, or the, the man or the woman with the lowest seniority in each department, and they're going to get laid off. And even though I, at, this was 2012, even though I had joined the company in 1998, uh, I was the man with the least seniority. So it was like, yeah, you you get this buyout, or you know, you can take your chances with unemployment. And I took the buyout. Uh, Not only that, but like, and Brad's being very. Uh, 
he's sugarcoating it. <laughs> because if you chose – you had an opportunity several times to choose a buyout. Right. If you didn't choose the buyout, it wasn't available to you when the time come for you to be cut. Oh, yeah. Well, so yeah, you had right. to guess whether or not you were going to survive whether the next cut. this was the cut. round, yeah. Because, you know, they wouldn't let you, you know, they go, hey, uh, there's a good chance you could be cut. Would you like to buy out? And you're like, oh, geez. Um, no. And they're like, okay, sounds good. You did not survive the buyout. Oh, I'll take the cut. <laughs> no, too late. Sorry. You didn't take yeah. it. Like, that's what he was facing. And so, you know, it was always this judgment of whether or not, you know, it was the right move to make. It was gut-wrenching for him. Anyway, oh, continue. Was, that, was, that was a really, really – it was exciting and terrifying all at the same time. Uh, but my, my, the my thing part, I but... kept saying, <laughs> yeah, you remember those hours on the phone. Uh, the thing about it is, is that I remember standing there in the newsroom saying, oh, if only I had, I, I didn't have this eight hours a day. And to be fair, we, I couldn't go back to, I, I, my wife and I have talked about this. We couldn't go back to living that way if we had to. Uh, I was seeing my wife for about five minutes a day. Uh, no exaggeration. Uh, for five days a week, we and our only full day together as a family was Saturday because uh, I worked Sunday through Thursday and everybody else's lives were Monday through Friday. We couldn't go back to that, but uh, but I was like, ah, oh, if only I had more time. And uh, somebody was asking me the other day uh, how how I liked being my own boss, and I said, yeah. But the only problem is I work for a real prick. Because uh, this guy expects <laughs> nights and, and weekends, uh, you know, and I work as hard as I ever did at a day job, if not a little bit harder. Uh, I work just as much, uh, and I don't feel like I'm getting a whole lot more done. It's not like I've been cranking out uh, a whole lot more stuff than I did before. And part of that is because I've taken part of my payment in terms of extra time I get with my kids, uh, being able to sit down to dinner with my family, stuff like that that I never was able to do. But if you take a look at quitting your day job and think that you're going to have all this extra money, you're wrong because some of that is is, is going to return to you in uh, just being able to live the life that you want to leave. And that's going to be part of your payment uh, for doing this is that you get to live a, a different kind of life. Uh, the problem is, is that you've got to be able to do that and pay the bills, and and that's incredibly difficult to do. Well, and also, um, quitting your day job means different things for different people. Okay. Because yeah. if you're 25 years old and uh, you know, you your income is you work you work at, grand, you work at Shake Shack and you're making. Twenty grand a year. Yeah, then you can you could probably you could probably uh, quit your job and find you could another probably job. Quit your day job and find something you know. But if you've got a family three, you know, quitting your day job is, means different things to different people. Sure. Mm -hmm. But like, look, basically, the best piece of advice I ever got was from Brian Sunter over at Penny Arcade, and it really is the 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 long and the short of it is that. In the end, you can always work harder than the other guy or gal. And so, you know, 
there's really no other way to say it, and it kind of sucks. But, yeah, no, you don't get a social life. <laughs> yeah. And you don't get to see your wife, and you don't get to – because you have to make a living, and you have to be a cartoonist. Those are the have-tos, right? Mm-hmm. Like you have to see your husband. You have to spend time with your loved one, and you have to pay the bills. So the day job has to happen, and you have to spend time with your significant other. And that has to happen, and you have to work on this. Otherwise, you'll go nuts. So everything else is uh, temporary. And you know, I think also when you're younger, this is the this is the the catch twenty two. When you're younger, you don't realize that you're going to have plenty of time to have a social life mm-hmm. later, mm-hmm. and a, a much better one than you can have at twenty five. Because yeah, better better interactions. 25-year-olds are fucking assholes. <laughs> They're not fully formed people, and yeah. you're not going to enjoy hanging out with them as much as you're going to enjoy... 20, 25-year-old you is hanging out with a bunch of 25-year-old douches, is what Scott is trying to say. <laughs> yeah, you're going to... When and you become 40-year-old you, you is going to 30, love, even 35. Yeah. Your friends are going to be better. Yeah, your friends at 35 are going to be so much better. Save your social time for that. Bust your ass now. Yeah, let them get arrested for possession while you're working on your graphic novel. <laughs> Scott, you had the so Brad was in in a, a day job and 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 was had to make the decision to go. And Scott, you had to make the decision because your wife was basically going to leave you if you. Did. <laughs> That's not true. Well, but you you hit a point where your cartooning was making you more money than your day job, and you still didn't want to go. Well, but because I had a friend explain to me how my comic was making money. Right, and then you freaked <laughs> out. Yeah, I was – my comic was making money because I started making comics during the dot-com boom when there were a lot of networks out there paying people just for the right to say their traffic was – your traffic was their traffic. Right. So like the big the big thing back then was that no one wanted ownership of your property. Jesus, that was the last thing they wanted. Mm-hmm. They wanted the right to report your traffic as theirs because that's what won football games. Not stepping off sides like a bunch of pansies. So, <laughs> um, <laughs> um, so yeah. So there was no risk of of all the you know there was really no risk of selling your stuff away unless you were Penny Arcade. Um, they found the one guy. <laughs> um, so uh, yeah, I mean there was tons of money coming in. I got a check for ten thousand dollars one month. And there was no advertising running on my website because I had a guaranteed contract for three dollars CPM guaranteed. Mm. And um, I called Gary and I said, I don't understand how this works. Like, we went to E3. I went to E3 and there was a guy running um, a, a group of websites called Casters Realm, and it was like. It was, it was it was like Ultima Online Casters Realm, EverQuest Casters Realm. It was like this was the news sites for all the hot MMOs at the time. Right. And we all meet up at E3 because we were all part of this network. I'm like, isn't this great? I'm making thirty grand a month. And I'm like, wait a minute, you're making thirty grand and I'm making ten, and this guy's making fifteen. That's just three people. <laughs> Where's all this money coming from? And they're like, I don't give a shit. You Cash know. Check. Yeah. Uh, you know, I'm drinking. Patron out of a goblet tonight. So, 
my friend Gary's like, oh, it's venture capital money. They raised millions of dollars and now they're just, well, how now do they, just paying it out. How do they make money? Well, they don't yet. Well, what's their plan? Um, their plan is to raise more money, and if they can't, then it all ends. And I'm like, oh God! And he's like, well, you'll be fine. <laughs> like, how will I be fine? He goes, because you make something people want. They'll always come to your website. You'll always be able to find a way. You're just gonna have to hustle. But the guy that does the website about EverQuest news, he doesn't have anything. It's smoke and mirrors. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he's, just, be he's just paying himself as much as he can right now until he goes away. And Gary said, if you were smart, what you would do now is call every webcomic person you know and get them on a network and give them a $1.50 and $1, $1. CPM and make as much money as you can right now. So mm-hmm. get call everyone at Keen Spot, call and just gar- give them a guarantee. I mean, you can tell them, like, look. What's your traffic? Okay, well, I'll guarantee you $1,000 a month. And, and he goes, you could be making 30, 40 grand a month. And I'm like, I can't do it. He's like, I'll help you. And I'm like, no, you don't understand. I can't do that because they're going to think they've made it. I'll have like 25 cartoonists making anywhere from 500 to $3,000 a month, and they'll all go nuts. They'll buy cars. They'll quit jobs. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> And then when it does go tits up, what does that mean, by the way? I say that a lot. Tits up is a pretty awesome thing. Why is it a bad thing? <laughs> I'm going to look up the etymology of it. You if talking. Angie goes tits up, it's going to be a great night. <laughs> how, how was last night? Angie went tits up. I'm sorry. Why? Because I went mouth down, and it was fucking awesome. Holy shit. If things go tits down... Tits down... Well... Do I need to edit this out? Everything went tits. Listen, t- as, everything... soon as, you get, as, soon, as soon as you involve tits, it's a good thing. Tits up, tits down, tits to the side. I, okay, I, I've got uh, no problems with there's, any of these there's things. There's no... All right, I'm looking up the etymology I'll of it. I'll tell you why, because it means someone died. No, there's... Well, there's... yeah, because they're on their back in that... No, no, their, no, their no. It has, to, it, has to do with, it has to do with airplanes in World War II. Oh, what? It, it, with altitude indicators, which turn upside down when faulty and display a W representing a pair of breasts. <gasps> oh. It's speculation. There's no evidence to support it, but that's the speculation of where the phrase comes from because then you're belly up. So that's, huh. the, that's the idea. Anyway, Tavis just came into the room and he should turn <laughs> on his mic because Tavis made the decision recently to quit his day job. and We'd love to hear what process went through. Yeah, his man, we're, t- we're talking right now about... because. About Tavis is not going to make it. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, and you should turn on your mic. I don't even know if he's listening. Um, but he while listening. You can see little on. headphones. Well, I can see little headphones, but I don't know if he's at his computer, if he's actually paying attention. We run a virtual uh, office. Is. so I'm here. There he is. <laughs> Welcome. Talk about, uh, talk about leaving your day job. We got a fan question from Beth Morell, and she was asking about – she works a 40-hour-a-week job, and she only has three or four hours a night to study – or to study <laughs> – to work uh and <laughs> study her cartooning yeah, yeah and she wants to talk about um you know when when is the time or how how to make the time or is there light at the end of the tunnel she just oh, wants man. she wants the infos i know right how do you answer that question yeah that that was a, a huge decision it took me almost a year maybe longer to finally decide to try and make that leap and uh i was doing the same thing i was working 40, sometimes even up to 60 hours a week, and then trying to come home and work late into the night just to get, you know, anything done. 
for me, it really came down to like a quality of life thing. I was barely mm-hmm. seeing my kids. I was spending all my time working. Uh, I felt like I was a neglectful father. And so uh, I just I came to the decision like it's now or never. I don't want to I don't want to be 50 or 60 and wake up and never have tried it. Uh, it's starting to get a little bit of steam, you know, especially coming off a of strip search. I had more people looking at my stuff. I had more eyeballs on the comics. Uh, I had a good support system, and uh, it just felt like the time, you know. And she talks a little bit. Uh, she asks a little bit too about freelance work and paying the bills. And it it seems to me, and correct me if I'm wrong, Tavis, that the probably the majority of your income comes from not from your the the comics that you're doing Tenko King and Stranger Danger but from freelance gigs, right? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I work for hire. The, the comics I'm doing actually <laughs> the the freelance work I'm doing gets in the way of doing the comics because I have to take on so much freelance work that sometimes, you know, I'm still putting in those late hours to get the comics done. Um, but in terms of being a day job, I'm much much happier doing the <laughs> freelance work. Uh, it's it's been incredible. Like I was super depressed the first three months after I quit my job. It's trying to figure things out, trying to get traction, get the ball rolling. Uh, finding jobs was super hard. Uh, but once I started doing one project, that led to another project. Uh, building a reputation and a name as a freelancer, somebody who's reliable. Uh, it became you know something more of like a job and not just like, oh shit, I quit my job and I'm going to put my family out on the street. <laughs> mm-hmm. Well, yeah, and, and that's the other thing. I mean, it, you did the same thing that I did. You made this leap with kids. Were your kids school age at this point or not? Yeah, my son was in school, but my daughter is in daycare. Uh, and that's something now we're, you know, kind of balancing that budget of how much kids cost, you know? Oh, well, yeah, tell me about you it. You know, I mean, yeah. <laughs> yeah, we, I th- we might have had that conversation in Seattle where I'm like, oh, my God, and then we decided to put our kids in private school, and it's it, it's like it, it, if you took that away, uh, it, what, I, what I do in comics would be really impressive, but when you add that on, it's like we're sometimes we're barely keeping up. Yeah. Uh, oh, yeah it's, time for, it's time for our weekly segment, Tell Brad to leave Philadelphia. (laughs) You gotta get out of there, Brad. (laughs) This has been Convince Brad to leave Philadelphia. (laughs) I'm telling you, sometimes it's easier than others. Sometimes I'm ready to just back right up. Uh, And that's a whole nother conversation. But trying to do this when you've got kids is is really uh, daunting. But the other thing I want to talk about is that you just, uh, Tavis, sprung on something that I, I want to see if I'm the only one that deals with it. Uh, when I go to bed before midnight, and, and mind you, I'm up at 6 o'clock to get the kids ready for school. Yeah, so when here. <laughs> I go to bed before midnight, I feel like a complete failure because all I see on Twitter is people who are pulling all-nighters, they're brewing their second pot of coffee, they're up until 2 o'clock in the morning working on the poster comic at 2 when they just finish it. Uh, do you find yourself comparing, anybody, and this goes out to everybody, do you find yourself comparing yourself to what you perceive as other people's work ethics that seems to be just Herculean? Yeah. You know what, you guys need are some radical feminists to run you off Twitter. 
<laughs> but you don't. The thing is, Brad, none of those people are tweeting. Fucking sky mauled a second time during this episode. <laughs> I'm not even. We talked about it already. I'm not even gonna go there. <laughs> but you can at least courtesy laugh. No, you're not even getting a hit out of me. Uh. <laughs> no, you know what, Brad? Though, like the only time I go on Twitter is when I'm actively avoiding working. <laughs> right. Yeah. Like if I'm. <laughs> You know, if I if I'm working on something, I'm just like, oh god, I really don't want to be doing this right now. I know I'll go on Twitter. That's, uh, I wonder about that. It's like when I'm really busy, I'm too busy to tweet, and I see all these people t- talking about how they're working, and it's like, how can you do this? Yeah, you're not working. You're not on actually working. You also never see those people tweeting about when they're not working. But you do see this a lot. You do see this a lot. Oh my god, guys. Working on something that I wish I could share with you. Oh my god, you're gonna flip out. I actually don't mind those tweets. I just I think that's that. exciting. <laughs> we, I do. Yeah, it but too. you're working on stuff. <laughs> Good point. So, I guess I'm gonna have to talk about my past because I'm the only person that that at 22 dove in headfirst and didn't do the day job. Yeah. And I. How did you I, manage that? I, I was just broke all the time. It wasn't complicated. <laughs> when, uh, okay, I left college, uh, let's see, I was 22, I guess, when I finished my uh, BA uh, in theater. Mm-hmm. Uh, in theater, mind you. So my, uh, <laughs> my, and we moved, my wife and I moved to um, uh, California. We've been touring up through the country doing plays, and it was one of those, like, we figured out early on if we were going to settle somewhere to act, it would probably have to be the West Coast or New York because being on the road the whole time, you're, you're not going to have a family and stuff. Or if you do, they're going to be living right. in the back of a caravan or something like that. And uh, New York was too expensive for what we wanted to do. And uh, my wife, who's a costume designer, got into grad school in, in the L.A. area, actually in Irvine, like two hours south. So we moved to California, and I set some rules for myself. And I, Again, I was like 22 or 23. Uh, I was not going to take a job unless it wasn't acting. I wasn't going to take an acting job unless uh, it paid. So right out of the gate, I cut like 50% of my jobs out immediately. Mm-hmm. So I would only take acting gigs and I would only take acting gigs that paid, which meant I wasn't waiting tables. I wasn't tending bar, um, babysitting, landscaping, dog walking, kids parties i mean i'm giving you the list of jobs that every actor i knew had right but it also meant i was available to audition at any time i could take (laughs) any job short notice and and yeah i was broke just all the time i was broke until i started getting um you know until until we were moved into the la area after after my wife finished grad school because we were working up there so much anyway we just moved into la and uh until i started doing commercials and television work i was broke all the time and that was, uh, it's like what Scott was saying earlier. When you know, when you're 25, that was okay. I didn't have a social life. I was working all the time, and I took every gig that no actor wanted. I worked mm-hmm. dinner theaters. I worked children's theater, touring children's theater. I mm-hmm. uh, twice a week was in drag on a paddle boat through Long uh, Long Beach Harbor. Not even kidding. I worked a drag show, and that really? wasn't even for work. Well, that was for fun. <laughs> no, <laughs> but that's what paid the bills. And, uh, you know, it, I, I don't know how many listeners we have that are into acting, probably none, but 
You that's you not true. You develop it's not true. You develop chops doing that stuff. Children's theater is the best work you could ever do. I'm not even kidding. Because Ooh, if they're monsters. They're they're horrible. Oh, it's a tough audience. They're the imagine. worst audience because if you're not good, they'll tell you. They yeah. have no kids have no social boundary, man. You you know, you perform a show like you're on stage performing a show for adults. I, and I, you know, and I did a lot of that. And that was the other thing. You'd go do a kid's show in the morning and then you'd turn around and go to rehearsal for your equity um, show at, at the tiny playhouse. And the only reason you're doing that show is because it doesn't just pay you, but you're, you're an equity actor. So it pays your health insurance as well. Right. So you have to do yeah. a certain number of those shows to, to book your health insurance. Um, but you, you know, so you'd be out all day. You'd go kid's show into rehearsal from rehearsal to whatever play you were doing, or if you booked a commercial, or whatever, you've got to clear two or three days to go film the commercial, you know, or two afternoons to do a television show. You're literally working all the time. But kids as an audience, uh, they're they're horrific. It's the worst audience you've ever had, and the best at the same time. Because if you're good, they let you know. And if you're terrible, oh, yeah. <laughs> there's zero. They're totally <laughs> deadpan. Like you do a you do a comedy for a group of adults, they laugh where they're supposed to laugh. They get mm-hmm. it. You know, it's Neil Simon, and this is supposed to be funny. And they giggle, and they applaud politely. But if you're in front of a group of kids, and you do something you just think is hysterical, and they don't think it's funny, they will not laugh. They will just stare at you deadpan. <laughs> Moving moment where you're like, this is this is heartfelt. You children should be feeling emotions. They'll look at you like you're an idiot. And then tell yeah. you after the show, you're an idiot. <laughs> Well, and, they, and they've, got a, they've got a different attention span, too. So just getting them to tune into what you, you're doing, you've got to really, I would imagine, use every power as an actor that you've got just to get them to look in your direction. Yeah. yeah I want to you... real quick uh, piggyback on a point Corey made just kind of in passing is uh, being available for stuff. Oh, yeah. When, you're, when you don't have huge. that day job, you're available all the time. Yeah, that that's huge. Like when I made that leap, I was suddenly available for this work that I wouldn't have been able to do. That's led to different opportunities. Um, so maybe think about that when you're thinking about jumping out of that day job and doing freelance full time. Is it does open you up to just be available for anything. Mm-hmm. And I think that the one when I tell people about you know my past and working, the first thing they always bring up is, well, you must have had money or some kind of fallback or support system because nobody can just do that. Uh, and the answer is, you know, yeah, technically, like I'm a well-educated white guy with a good family. If anything ever went horribly wrong, there's always, there is always help available, right? Uh, but I never had to call it in. And, and I think that the thing that people forget that are thinking like, oh, I want to leave my day job for this artistic endeavor, you can always get another day job. Like if anything ever went so horribly wrong, while I was working, I could always go get a day job. I could always get temp work. That's I could important to get... say because I think a lot of people see that as a mark of failure. It's, oh, yeah, but I it's did not. for sure. It's not, though, man. It's That's just part of it. You just might have to do that. I, yeah. I remember there was one – I was having one dry spell where there were just no gigs. I just could not book anything. And it was like I was going to uh, game companies, Blizzard included – uh, to get work as um, as a tester, it's like QA, because mm-hmm. it, they would hire anybody. Um, you could work crazy hours. 
you got to play video games, which I enjoyed doing. You know what I mean? Like I was going to find that kind of work. I ended up not having to take it because another acting gig came in and paid the bills. But don't be afraid to take a day job. Don't be afraid well, to go get temp work. That's because, and the, and and we always lose sight of this. Uh, it, it's it it's not a it's not a sprint. It's a marathon. In other words, I kind of thought when I quit my day job at the Daily News, that was it. Roll quit credits, and I win. Right. And the truth of the matter was, is that's when the starter pits, pistol went off, yeah. and that's when I really started running hard. But but it, even even if I were to go back and take a day job, uh, I, my goal would be to leave that day job eventually and go back to doing this. And if that happened, that would be fine, because what, what it actually is isn't just this one little thing. It's, it's, it's an ongoing thing, and it's not over until it's all over. And then you look back and you say, I did this and I did that. And this part worked out really well, and that part was low, but it, it was followed by a high. You know, it, it, it doesn't just end with you leaving your day job. It doesn't end with you going back to a day job. It, this thing is a continuum that we're talking about. We, we kind of look at it in terms of if it's a movie, you know, it, it, okay, if i got to take my day job, that's, that's the end. Well, I think, no, that's just part, another part of the middle. Well, I think the other big advice that people don't talk about a lot is don't be afraid to change. I mean, mm -hmm. I got I got my degree in theater, uh, in in performance and acting. I spent 15 years as a professional actor. That was where my income came from. That's what I did. Um, and at some point, I, through a weird set of coincidences and and just things happening, I ended up in comics. And then from there, I ended up in video games. And then from there, I ended up working for Scott. It's like there's no set it's a downward spiral. <laughs> Just a constant downward spiral. No, but it's like you you can't – I think a lot of people set out and they go uh, – and I see – the thing I see with cartoonists a lot, with people who draw, is they think that they're going to be like a comic artist and then they end up as like an illustrator. And, mm -hmm. and what I mean by that is like they think that they're going to do sequential work. They're going to do comics, right? And then they end up mm -hmm. doing – then they end up being like a storyboard artist for a, a kid's show. Or they end up being a – you know, a, a – an illustrator who does the cover of novels or something like that. And and that's fine. And it's not like they're upset or whatever, but they set out to do one thing. And then through life, they end up being really good at doing this totally different thing that they never would have uh, expected to be doing. Oh, yeah. But I think that's important to note is people can't forget that it's not – it's very rare that you're someone like – you know, like Scott, who at a very young age goes, I'm going to be a cartoonist and is a cartoonist. I don't think that happens to a lot of people. That's why I didn't want Lexi to win strip search. Really? Why? Because. Oh, because she's a better uh, because designer I and know, illustrator? I, I, I think just as, a, as someone 20 years her senior with someone who has a little bit more of ability to maybe look down the road, it's like. You're an illustrator. Like you love this, and I know you have a comic in you for sure. But you're an illustrator. Like you're an illustrator. Doesn't mean you can't do both. No, you can't. That doesn't mean you can't do both. But I think it was pretty obvious early on where she was going to excel, right? And where she was going to head. And it's like there, there are people in the competition that are cartoonists, and they are dying to be a cartoonist. Mm -hmm. And I would rather they get the opportunity. And it sounds terrible, but it's just like it's like Lexi, you're gonna be fine. 
You're going to have a huge career. Yeah. <laughs> That's actually a really interesting point. And, and forgive me if this is a, a unnecessary tangent. Because I know, uh, let's assume that we've got a good number of people listening to the show that are in their 20s that are kind of starting out. So like the letter writer uh, today, like Beth, who's kind of like, okay, I'm trying to get there. You've got a 20-something starting out uh, creative in front of you. Could be a cartoonist, could be whatever. But let's say, for the sake, since we're all cartoonists here, uh, or, or uh, uh, Corey, you can direct yours towards an actor. You've got one piece of advice that you know that if you can give them this one piece of advice, it's going to stick with them. What's the one shot that you take that you need to stick with this 20-something person? The one piece of advice you give? What's your one piece of advice for a tw- specifically for a twenty-something starting out? Wait until you're thirty. <laughs> <laughs> he's he's not wrong. I don't try to for too much too soon. Is that a, a good way to paraphrase that? Uh, you know, I don't know. I just I felt like I was I knew more of who I was as a thirty-year-old. Well, you're not saying and... you're not saying wait to do it until you're thirty. You're saying wait to look at the results until you're thirty. No, I'm saying wait, wait until, until you're, you're 30. 30 to do it. Really? Yeah. And it might be harder. You might have more going on in your life. But I feel like you will know yourself better. I feel like you'll have those trials and tribulations under your belt of having worked a full-time job and uh, worked as, as hard as you can doing this and making it a career, and you'll really see where your passion's at. Mm-hmm. That's a good point. You find out where your passion is. I mean, what's the one thing we always say about Tavis, Corey? Not to not to reveal too much, but every like, time we talk joke? about, no, there's no joke. Because <laughs> I mean, we would we would you know when strip search was happening, and you know everyone that watches the show is like, well, what do you think this person got? Blah 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 blah. Every time I came to Tavis, like Tavis is gonna be fine. He's an adult. Yeah, he's gonna, he's, an, he's a grown up. He's a grown up. He's, he's gonna be a cartoonist. He's a grown up. He knows who he is. He's gonna be a cartoonist. He's taking advantage of the show, but he knows exactly what he's going to do. Maybe it's age and experience. Maybe that's, it that's what it was obvious that he had that you – anyway, it was obvious you were a grown-up, and maybe it's because you have kids, you know, and you've done all that. But, mm-hmm. like, that's, that's really invaluable. I mean, I always say every time someone tells me, oh, I couldn't be a cartoonist, I can't draw a straight line, mm-hmm. you know, I always say – well, no one can draw a straight line. That's why we have rulers. And they're like, well, I can't draw. And I'll say, well, neither can Scott Adams. Yeah. You know, cartooning is more about observation than it is about drawing. And they go, hmm, I never thought about it that way. And I'm like, yeah, well, it's true. That's the truth. So, um, I mean, that's why the college experience, if you can get it, is as important for the – social aspects as the education because you can observe a lot about people. Um, yeah, while it's, you're your, there. it's your first time as as a pupa to go out into the universe. Yes. And I would tell people all the time, go to parties. Like they're like, oh I never go to parties. I'm like, no, go to parties. Now don't yeah. get drunk, but sit in the back and watch the drunk people. Yeah. And take well, notes. And, and like observe life. Yeah. yeah exactly. That's so, that's so interesting. That's that's an old like actor trick. Is it most most of the best actors that I know actually spend a lot of time watching other people? They tend to be yeah. You gotta watch. They tend people. to be quiet and reserved, and they spend a lot of time analyzing others. 
Yeah, um, definitely. Super important for a cartoonist. Yeah, I never thought about that. I see it in cartooning a lot because, you know, like Natalie Nurgut is always posting online. Oh, my gosh. She, just, she, just draws, she's, she, she told me if I come to Portland, people. she'll teach me how to do that. <laughs> it's amazing. You should look her up on Twitter. She just sits and draws. She sits in a location, just draws everyone that walks by. It's amazing. Um. Anyway, I, I don't disagree with Tavis. The, the, there's plenty of time. And yeah, look, we could all get hit by a truck tomorrow, but that's going to stop everyone dead in their tracks, you know, like <laughs> no matter what they're doing. <laughs> yeah, like well, if that's the case, you got bigger problems than whether or not you're going to make it as a cartoonist. So, but assuming that you're going to live, you know, a decent amount of time, then you've got the time. I love this movie. Um, one of my favorite movies of all time, Paul Newman's in, is called Nobody's Fool. Mm-hmm. And um, he it deals with little infidelity. This uh, Bruce Willis's character is cheating on his wife, and Paul Newman tells this wife that once he realizes you know, he just suffered through, lived through a heart surgery. Because once he realizes he's not going to die, he'll come back. Mm-hmm. Like he thinks he just he thinks he just fucking. Yeah, everything seems like it's all going to end. And it, it, when you're in your teens and in your 20s, everything, like, especially when you see people doing things like, oh, gosh, it's all happening. It's all happening without me, you know? Yeah. yeah. You know, look at all these people succeeding. Oh, it's passing me by. It's passing me. Nothing is passing you by. <laughs> I mean, and, and that's, you know, that's the that's the truth. You've got the time. And you'll you'll be better off for... For taking your time, and and especially because, you know, this happens a lot where um, something new will pop up, like a Homestucker or something like that, and people will be like, oh, wow, you know, like, does it kind of scare you? This is the new guy. I'm like, no, no, these guys don't scare me. Like, why? It's like, well, come, come talk to me in uh, a year because mm-hmm. I don't think they're going to be here in a year, you know? Yeah. Like they're they're burning way too bright. <laughs> and then but then when you see like XKCD or the oatmeal, you know, and you're like, okay, yeah, that scares the fuck out of me. Yeah. You know, <laughs> I do not understand that at all. And he is not burning bright. He is burning strong and steady. And you know, steady. like that's you know, and then the guy has a twenty million dollar Kickstarter. It's like, there you go. You know, like but again, I'm not terribly super concerned, but anyway, I'm all over the place. I think, <laughs> and if I were going to say something to to uh, an artist, and it could be any artist, it it goes back to what, and I've said this, like I've taught classes on, you know, acting technique and all this stuff over and over again at college level, and the thing I always tell people, and they always think I'm crazy because they're always in their twenties. Don't take a gig unless it's what you want to do. So in this case, don't get, don't take a gig unless it's acting. Um, don't take an acting gig unless it pays. And I think that you can transfer that to any form of art. It's like, don't take a freelance gig unless it's what you want to do. Don't take that art gig unless it's art. And don't take the art gig unless it pays. Mm-hmm. And people always go, well, then I'll never work. And it's like, well, you'll never work for shitheads. You'll never yeah. do the thing you don't want to do. And, you know, it, it, it's not a hard and fast rule. If you got to pay the bills, you got to pay the bills. But don't consider mm-hmm. that your job. You know, if you can take a part-time job, take a part-time job. It'll free you up. You know, if you if you can only work 20 hours a week and you can live on that, it'll free you up that extra 20 hours a week to do the thing that you want to do and to do it for money. And 
just accept the fact that you're broke and that's okay because there's a lot of interesting things to do <laughs> when you're when you're broke doesn't mean you can't go to a bar it just means you can't drink doesn't well, mean you know yeah. don't buy the dvd go to the library straight up <laughs> it sounds so stupid but like you know or find a form of entertainment that is not that is not uh super expensive but but if you do those two things, if you take the gig, if you only take the gigs and you t only take the gigs that pay, you're pro that's probably going to eat up the time that would be your, you know, your your free time, and you won't be worried about what you're going to be doing to entertain yourself. But that I know that's just me, and I I, I am actually going to disagree with you and wait till thirty. I'm going to say do it right away because those ten years between mm -hmm. your twenties and your thirties, you're going to be learning what to do, so that by the time you hit thirty, you can do it right. Yeah. No, I see that. Well, I, I'll tell you what, I'll piggyback on what you said, because and, and, my piece of advice would be to be much smarter with how you spend your money in that in the 20s. Cause oh, God. In the 20s, you're I think about the, the money that I fucking wasted in my 20s. <laughs> well, yeah, uh. and, and see, I'm, I'm, I'm doing this teaching gig at college, so I'm seeing a lot of these young people that want to be cartoonists. And the, the first impulse is to reach for the, for the credit card. And there's a lot of cargo cult mentality. Uh, and, and I talk to a lot of young people who, are, who, who say the following. I'm going to do this comic. I've, I've got a table at XYZ Comic Convention. I've got a table. Now i just got to figure out what to, what, what to make so that I can sell it there. And it's like, no, 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 you don't understand. <laughs> you did that in you reverse. You go to a comic convention <laughs> when you have a warehouse full of stuff that you need to move. <laughs> you don't get a tape. You don't spend money for a table at a comic convention and then think, well, what am I going to make so that I can sell it there? That, that's the total backwards way to do it. But it, it, and, and, well, I'm going to go there for uh, networking and I'm going to promote. And it's like you could take the money that you put into that table and you could do any number of things online and get – Ten times the promotion that you're going to get standing there handing somebody a flyer they're going to throw away as soon as they turn the corner. Or even would, just, my, just my attend advice the is show. Don't we, do spend throw, money. we do throw them away. Yeah, that's true. Oh, oh God, yes. I Don't spend money unless you've got a really <laughs> good chance of that thing coming back to you. You know what I mean? If you want to attend the show to network, attend the show to network. That's something that I always – But that's something that always boggled me was people go, I got a table. I'm going to do so much – at networking and they mean in they mean in inside right they're not talking about exposure or marketing or letting fans know about their product because nine times out of ten they don't have a product yet they're talking about they're going yeah. to network with other professionals to to quote unquote break into the industry and it's like you can do that so much more efficiently not sitting behind a table yes and if you are sitting behind a table and you're not there because you're out networking then inevitably that's when the person that is in the industry that actually wanted to see you walks by and they see an empty table and they go, oh, well, this person's not reliable because they're not at their table. <laughs> and it ends up working against you. It's the, it's the opposite effect. Yeah, that's dark. Sorry. This is reality. Well, um, before we wrap this up, I want to say something real quick about the Joss Whedon Twitter thing. Okay. Yeah. We'll circle, um, circle back around. <laughs> I want to circle back around real quick. So we talk all the time about Twitter and signal the noise. Wait, wait. Th first, thank you, Beth. And and Jace for writing in. Oh, sorry. Yes, of course. And if you want to write us a question, just do mail at pvponline.com and just put surviving creativity in the subject line. Okay, go ahead. Signal versus noise. Yeah, signal versus noise and the importance of what Joss really did because it's obvious he didn't quit because um, he was being attacked by any faction of 
weirdos. Um, he left because he left Twitter because he wants to write again, and there's too much noise coming from Twitter. And he doesn't mean um, that it's something that is happening to him. It's something that he's doing to himself, and he's removing himself from it. Um, we talk all the time about how Corey would like me to hand over my Twitter password to him so he could Twitter for me. And the issue is not whether or not Corey has my password because uh, outgoing signals on Twitter are handled. Um, it's it's me reading that's the issue. It's the mm -hmm. amount of time I spend wasting reading Twitter and Facebook and all social media. And um, as much as we complain about how all of this social media is – a terrible noise that's prohibiting the real signal of real media news, I don't think we talk enough about how it also reduces the signal internally um, and how how much of your creativity and, and um, just time, but mostly your creativity is, is affected by it. Mm. How much of the real signal, internal signal that you have is is uh, wrecked by the noise coming from uh, the time you spend on social media. Joss uh, left because he wants to write again and he needs to go to a quiet place. Mm -hmm. um, I have an uncle, super Catholic uncle, who cannot handle the simplest curse word. He can't handle any uncomfortable conversations. Mm -hmm. And I always say to my Uncle Bill, like, so what do you do if there's a bunch of people in the room and, and you're not in a position to say, Scotty, don't talk like that. He goes, well, I just leave the room. And I've seen my uncle step up and leave a room. He never throws a fit. Mm -hmm. He never starts smacking people across the head with a Catholic Bible. He just gets up and he leaves the room. Yeah. Because the conversation no longer has anything to offer him except for discomfort. And he does not want it uh, – he doesn't want it um, permeating him. And so he just quietly leaves the room, and you'll never notice him leaving. And I never noticed him leaving until I started paying attention to it. <laughs> so um, this morning, I took Twitter off of my phone, and I took Twitter off of my um, computer. <gasps> what? Wow. Yeah. This is the best thing I've how, heard all week. How, how weird is it that my mind is literally boggling? I, I'm, I'm trying to figure out how I would get through the day. That's not I a just, good sign. It's nothing permanent. It's nothing that I'm deciding I, I um, um, you know, I'm going to do forever. But I'm tired of reaching for my phone constantly. That's amazing. Are you, are you just really happy about is, it? I'm grinning so because the, you can always, and this is for anyone, you can always go to Twitter.com. <laughs> like, yeah, like it's like, not complicated. You can do it from the, anywhere. Maybe I'll do it at the end. Maybe I'll do it at the end of the day. And yeah. you know, here's the most amazing thing. Maybe I'll forget. <laughs> right. And nothing bad will happen. No. And I'll tell you how I know this because. A couple times, Angie and I, a couple times a year now, we rent a little beach house off of Whidbey Island, which seems like it's this big, elaborate thing, but it's really not. It's no more than getting a hotel room for a couple nights. It's just that we live in one of the most beautiful places in the world, and Brad should move here. Um, <laughs> but usually what we do is we unplug, and we'll just stare at the Puget Sound, and I'll sketch a bunch and read books. 
And it's not that we don't have internet connection because we also played Hero of the Storm from the <laughs> from the island. <coughs> but I'm just spending so much time disconnecting and that it always recharges me and you know it always said I always say on the drive home why do we wait to come here to do that? Like, why don't I just unplug once I get home? And then I get home and I'm like, nah, I'm going to wake up and look right at Twitter. <laughs> yeah, I know. And uh, I want to not do it. Like, it, reading this morning, because look, I saw Avengers 2. <laughs> I mm-hmm. saw the movie. And uh, um, it was really interesting to see Mark Ruffalo say, hey, how about that Joss Whedon, right? I think Shakespeare's his co-writer. And someone said, oh, you mean the misogynist that reduced um, Natasha's role to the um, the the character that wants to quit superhero to have a family? And his response was, okay, weird. I filmed the movie. I thought that was my role. And it is his role. Because if you saw the movie, it was his role. Yes, very so, much so. One of the things I'm hearing a lot, and this is the this is the message I want to get out, okay? One of the things I'm hearing a lot from people that are kind of rebelling against this social justice warrior stuff mm-hmm. is that it's going to kill art. Now, look. <laughs> we have our own... Th- the liberals have their own tea party, okay? And... Sub-factions of any party are going to attack each other all the time, and it's happening now because it's kind of like a, a, a fad. And mm-hmm. yes, the snake's kind of come around again and is eating its own tail. Mm-hmm. Like, we get it. Like, radical subsections of feminism are attacking each other, And but at the end of the day, it's your art. Art has survived so much scarier than this. The plague, okay? the dark ages. The- and And... <laughs> Trust me. Nazi Germany. <laughs> just if if your intent and your heart – look, we can go back and we can watch MASH, and it cannot escape its intent. Our cultural uh, beliefs have changed, and so we're like, this is kind of sexist and homophobic. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Right? So you're like, boy, wow, people are different. But, you know, at the time, it was accepted. So here's the reverse, okay? So, like – if you're upset because you watched Avengers 2 and you think, well, that's not what Joss was saying, don't worry. It's going to be okay. The intent of the art will survive. Now, um, it's the other reason why uh, – it, look, it's I call it the Chick-fil-A argument. I, a lot of people call it the Ender's Game argument. Okay, I am not surprised that the thing I enjoy is made by a fuckhead. <laughs> it happens all the time and you don't even know it. I don't give a shit that the guy that owns Chick-fil-A is a fuckhead that doesn't think gays could get should get married because me and my gay friend this weekend are going to go fucking eat Chick-fil-A because one just opened here. Because all I care about is that their chicken sandwiches are covered in peanut oil and they're delicious and I'm not allergic. All right? Everyone I know that reads science fiction pretends that Ender's Game is not their favorite book, fuck you, it is your favorite book. <laughs> and that does not mean that you're okay with Orson Scott Card being a homophobic fuckhead. I'm reading a, I'm nine books into a 15-book series. Uh-huh. I do not want to find out. Do not tell me mm-hmm. that this guy is 
harboring a 92-year-old Nazi war criminal because the guy really gets him. I don't care. Don't take away the one good thing this man has done in his life, which is this series of books. The art will survive. The this art's going to so be fine. freeing to hear because I've been watching Woody Allen movies uh, so in a place where He's a monster! He's a monster! <laughs> the movies are so fucking funny. Yes! And I, and I went and through you know a jag why? where they were, a bunch of them were on Netflix and it's, I couldn't uh, let my wife catch me I, catch me watching Woody yeah, Allen. Because you're worried uh, about because it. Because she gets so upset. And, and there's a reason why a, Alec Baldwin... A monster. There's a reason why Alec Baldwin will never turn down a Woody Allen role, but probably won't let his daughter hang out with Woody Allen. <laughs> Look! <laughs> there was a comedian that said that if Michael Jackson wanted to take his son for the weekend, he would say, you got to take one for the team. we got to end, end the cycle of poverty. <laughs> but, <laughs> I remember that. You remember that? Yeah. Look, it's okay. It's okay. You know, you can separate the two. Because here's the bottom line, man. The bottom line is that um, the internet is all hyperbole and craziness and bullshit. Because when you're in a theater and someone has a seizure... Everyone is fucking awesome. Tell this People story. Tell that. tell this story. Tell People it. are decent. Okay, well, we went to see Avengers 2, mm -hmm. and 20 minutes into the movie, um, a woman has a seizure three rows in front of me. Oh, my God. How and it was really, it was really um, surreal mm -hmm. because my brain registered what was happening, okay? Because first you heard, ooh, and then we look towards the noise, and you see a hand outstretched, clearly in a spasm. It's, it's all curled up in a spasm. Contorted, yeah. Yeah. And my brain went, someone's having a seizure, and then went back to watch the movie. <laughs> like, that's someone having a seizure. <laughs> well, now what's happening with – That's problem. Nobody not, It wasn't even that. Here. It wasn't even that. It's like, <laughs> someone having that's, – that's a seizure. And then all of a sudden the guy next to her goes – and this all happens in like milliseconds. Mm -hmm. The guy next to her goes, ma'am, are you okay? And I go, oh, this is happening. This is real. Like my brain had to snap out of fiction for a second. Yeah, yeah. Like is this really happening? And then everyone just stands up. Everyone that's near her goes to her. A guy in our row, which we were in the back row, runs up front and says – I know what to do. And then everyone that stood up backs up because now she's got four people around her. No one else needs to go near her. Right. Um, they lay her on her side. Um, a lady a row in front of us goes, is she having a seizure? And a woman that got, I guess clearly they had a history of seizures in their family. Cause she goes, I think she's having a seizure. So one of the women runs over looks and immediately comes back and sits down and says, they're doing everything right. So, yeah. She didn't go, I've dealt with seizures, get out of the way. She walked up, she goes, they got it. A woman comes in, one of the employees comes in um, with a glass of water, and they go, no, you can't give a glass of water. It's fine, she's going to be fine, she's just got to get through it. 911 is called, immediately there's two people on the phone, they're all described. One guy goes, I'm going to go out, I'm going to go wait for the ambulance. She starts to come out of it, ma'am, are you okay? They're checking her ID. Someone goes, hey, look, she's got a band on, is that? And they go, no, it's a Seahawks band. It's like, all right, well, hopeful thinking. You hmm. know, they thought maybe it was a medical band. Not one person pulled out a phone. No one tried to film it. Everyone just turned. They paused the movie. The lights came up. Um, the paramedics came. They interviewed everyone. You know, is she with anybody? Does anyone know her? You know, everyone. You know, and and the guys that were up front. No one tried to be a hero. Everyone did did the right thing. And then um, we all just went back in our seats. They she they stood her up. She walked out. Um, 
they said we're going to take her to a room and talk to her and ask her some questions. And then we all just sat and waited for word. Like no one complained. No one got up and said, hey, can you turn the movie back on? And they came back in and said, okay, um, we're going to rewind the movie and start it again. And everyone mm-hmm. looked at her and someone goes, how is she? And she goes, the paramedics say she's going to be fine. And then everyone was like, okay. Everyone immediately turned around and faced the movie again. <laughs> and I turned to Angie and I said, see, people are good. Like, if you listen to the news, if you listen to social media, the world's going to hell in a handbasket. Yeah. But when push comes to shove, in the real world, people are good. And then when they, uh, uh, when the, because it was one of those sit-down places where you eat your meal and watch the movie. Mm-hmm. Um, when they came back to pay the bills, the waitress said, hey, thanks very much for taking care of her bill. That was really nice. So the guy next to me, the one that really knew what he was doing. And I, I even said to him, that was really impressive. Thank you so much. And he says, well... 15 years at a biotech company, you know how to do first response stuff. She was having a seizure, and you just got to let them get through it. Anyway, he was awesome, and um, he paid her bill. Wow. So uh, I, I, what, I'm, what I'm saying is that um, there are important things. There are not important things. Social media has a lot of amazing power, and it can be harnessed for good, but you really need to understand what you're – you know, there's a lot of talk right now about what you're taking into your body. You know, only eat the raw foods and, you know, <laughs> don't eat a lot of processed <laughs> shit. Well, I think the same thing goes for the information you let in. Like, it, it's not it's not that you can't um, – it's not that if you watch a violent movie, you're going to shoot somebody, but it will affect you emotionally. Mm-hmm. That's why I can only watch one episode of Mad Men at a time because if I try to binge watch a season, I'll – and you'll come in and I'm tying a noose. <laughs> it's a depressing show. But Angie was Angie was losing her shit because at the event when Avengers 2 ended and it has an amazing final scene. Oh god, that's so great. She said and this is the best way to describe it. I didn't know what to do with my hands. <laughs> I was so excited. I just kind of went and I was shaking my fists, making pump, and then I started beating my chest. Like, I was so excited, and I just, I strutted out of that theater, and I was, like, jumping and going, pew, pew, you know, like, the stuff you take in can affect you. Mm-hmm. It doesn't mean it's going to, it's not going to mind control you, but when we, look, when we saw Days of Thunder, we drove home super fast, and my friend was behind me, and we were trying to cold trickle each other home. Like, I was trying to... <laughs> that happens. You leave a James Bond movie, and you just start squinting and looking at everyone like you're That's a badass. Right. And you hear that little uh, that, that guitar riff in the background for the next three days. Bing, ding, 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 ding. All, ding, all ding, I'm ding, suggesting ding. is if you ever catch yourself going... Why in the fuck do I feel so depressed today? Um, it's Twitter. (laughs) (laughs) You spent too much time on Twitter. Thanks again for joining us this week on Surviving Creativity. And thanks to Tavis Maiden for jumping in and giving us some insight about leaving his day job. We'll be taking user questions again. If you've got any, go ahead and submit them to us on our Patreon page underneath this episode. Or if you're not a patron, that's okay. Just shoot us an email at mail at pvponline.com. Be sure to put Surviving Creativity in the headline. Have a good one, and we'll see you next week on Surviving Creativity.